Good morning. Good Saturday morning. This is January 23rd, Saturday morning, January 23rd. Welcome. I'm glad you're with me today. I know this is Saturday. We have fewer join us, but hopefully you're with us and glad you are with us. Um, this morning I'd like to talk for a moment about religious freedom. I hear on campus all the time, our nation was based or built upon the separation of church and state. This is what young people have been told. This is what uh, people more of the, on the left, political left, tell us the basis of our nation, the foundation of our nation was the separation of church and state. That's not quite true. Actually, that's not, the term is not found in the Constitution, the Declaration, or any other of our founding documents. Rather, the First Amendment reminds us, the very First Amendment, and the first part of the First Amendment reminds us that our, our, our nation was based or built upon inalienable rights. Well, the Declaration reminds us is based on the inalienable rights that come from God, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, which are the gift of God, but that the Constitution then tells us in the First Amendment that the foundation of religious freedom the Congress shall make no law regarding the establishment of a religion, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And so, no, we weren't based on the separation of church and state. We were based on freedom. There's a big difference because, as we know, the term the separation of church and state has been used to exclude any thought of God or any involvement of God or the church or devout Christian people living their faith loudly that these type of people ought to be um, marginalized and separated out from any government involvement. It's not at all, if you study our history, you know almost all of our founders were devout Christians. Very few exceptions. Almost all of them were devout Christians. And they, they were driven to do their work by their love for God and their understanding of the Scripture. Something we need to get back to, maybe we'll talk about it someday. What I'd like to talk about today is called Using Our Freedom, and it comes from my, the book I've written, and, and I'd just like to read you a story this morning. If you've not yourself gotten a copy of, where is it here, a copy of my book, Taking to Their Turf, I encourage you to write, write us for one. Uh, go to TomThePreacher.com, request a copy. We do ask for a donation, but if you'd like one, just request it, and um, um, contact us there. TomThePreacher.com. I'd like to, if I could, just read a chapter from this this morning. And, um, uh, and uh, by the way, one other quick announcement. I know we had announced that we're going to start at the book of First Peter. We're going to start on Monday. So get ready. Tell your friends we're going to start going through the book of First Peter, a very timely and relevant book for our day. It was written after Nero had blamed the Christians for the burning down of Rome. And in that context and in that time frame, uh, talking about persecuting Christians and how to respond to it, and, and I think it would be very timely uh, for us to be looking through this book. Back to my book. Here I write. Are you ready? Bear with me for a moment as I just read to you. God can bring encouragement in many ways we never expect. I was preaching at Miami-Dade College in Miami, Florida, my first time there, and it has been a pretty good day. Good crowd, good questions, and people were relatively receptive. Earlier in the day, an elderly gentleman told me that he had taught there since 1975, over 40 years, 
and he was a Christian man, and that this was the first time he'd seen evangelism done on campus in a way he could feel proud of. He was simply thrilled, and his kind words thrilled me as well. But the greatest encouragement was yet to come. Toward the end of the day, a fellow in his late 20s asked my permission to say something to the crowd. I agreed. I'm a veteran, he began. I fought in Iraq and Afghanistan. I had friends who died in those places. I risked my life for our freedoms. Every day I come on this campus and I see people saying things. The most vocal group is the LGBTQ folks who promote what they believe and have petition drives. They have every right to do that. But let me say that today is the first day I've come on this campus and I'm actually proud of how I see someone exercising the freedoms I fought for them to have. With that, he shook my hand, wiped a tear from his eye, and went on his way. He has a point, don't you think? Our freedoms to choose our religion and to speak what we believe is a precious liberty. Most people throughout history have never enjoyed these freedoms. We often take our liberties for granted and forget they were purchased for us by the blood, excuse me, by the blood of patriots who went before us. Do you appreciate those who died for you in order to secure your freedom? Do you demonstrate that appreciation by the way you use your liberties? Do you take responsibility to carefully choose your religious beliefs? To speak up for what is good and true? Do you bear witness to your faith in Christ? These things are our birthright as Americans. Let's value them. If you ever visited a national cemetery, I've been, on the Ar I've been to the Arlington National Cemetery and to the solemn burial grounds in Normandy of the soldiers who perished on D-Day. Thousands of white crosses form a, a seemingly endless pattern, marking the final resting place of American men and women who gave their last measure of their devotion for our freedom. You can't help but be moved by the sight. How many of these brave soldiers were young men or women? How many left behind a grieving spouse or young children? How many had their hopes and dreams dashed on those bloody beaches? How many suffered excruciating pain on the battlefield before they expired? It's a solemn and somewhat terrifying experience to stand there and consider that each cross stands over the body of one who gave his life for our country and what it stands for. What did they understand our nation stood for? I think President Franklin D. Roosevelt said it best on his radio address to the nation announcing the D-Day invasion, quote, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set a suffering people free. Which leads to another question. Since our soldiers fought to preserve our religion, do you think those brave soldiers gave their lives in the hopes that some atheists back home would make sure all schools and uh, had to censure any respectful mention of God? Do you think they, as they lay dying from mortal wounds, that in their last minute they cried out to God in prayer? 
Do you think that their final hope and prayer was that their children and future grandchildren would be denied the right to honor God with their prayers or graduation speeches back home? If, they, if those who perished in those wars could see how freedom has been distorted by seculars to stifle and confine religion to the church building on Sunday morning, do you think they would be happy with the result of their sacrifice? These are tough questions, but we need to ask them. If we're not willing to fight for our, our own religious liberties, then at least let's do so to honor those who died to secure them for us. I read that chapter from my book, and it was a great day when this vet came up and talked about how proud he was to have fought for my right to preach the gospel on campus and how unproud he was to see how most people are utilizing it. He's got a point. On most campuses, the LGBT people are far more outspoken than the Christians. In our cancel culture, the LGBT people or the, or the socialists now are far more outspoken than our uh, believers for our faith. And we need to pray today that God gives us a greater boldness. And especially now, as cancel culture is getting more intense, and uh, there, there's certainly a feeling, we, we read stories of people who, let's say, attended the Trump rally, didn't even go in the Capitol, but have lost their jobs, have uh, uh, lost their platform on, online. These are serious times when there's a, um, the, the, the pendulum, the backlash against Trump and his supporters. And let me tell you, if you're an evangelical Christian, you're part of this group, whether you voted for him or not. You are seen as, as the ones who put him in office, and you're seen as the ones who need to be punished for having done so. And so whether you voted for him or not, you might have even been against him. But the, the effort to now uh, marginalize and vilify uh, evangelical people is intense. We, not, we best not be unaware of it. We best be wise. We best be careful. Shrewd as serpents innocent as doves. But again, as I've been saying here so often, what must we do? Let's use our freedom well. If we, if we really claim that so often, and this election, I believe a lot of it was about religious freedom, and we are urged in 1 Timothy 2.1 to pray for our leaders, and we pray for their salvation, but we also pray that we would be able to live our lives, Christian lives, uh, Honestly, openly, fearlessly, without fear of government persecution. That's 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 talk about. So today we want to pray that we will use the freedom we have. I want to challenge you. Are you using this freedom? We, we're fearful that someday we could lose it. Are we using it while we've got it? Are we sharing our faith? Are we attending our church? Are we, are we living our faith openly for Christ and, and helping spread the gospel while we have opportunity and while it's easy, it could get harder. So today, let's, uh, let's, we'll pray for this. I do want to join anyone who's, who, excuse me, I want to welcome anyone who's joining me for the first time. Our audience has been growing recently. I want to thank all of you who are uh, subscribing, getting notified, passing the word on to your friends at church, small group, relatives, neighbors, anyone else. And I want to thank all who are joining this time. I do want to announce also, as I said, that on Monday we're going to begin looking at the book of 1 Peter, going through it verse by verse. 
and uh, we'll take several verses each day, and it will guide some of our prayers. But more importantly, well, as importantly, it will be guiding how we should be living our lives in these days. I think there's a lot of wisdom in this book for us. Okay, let's go to prayer. Father, we thank you today. You're on the throne. You're the mighty God. We thank you that you're greater than any Anyone who would hate us, dislike us, want to marginalize us, cancel us, or do anything against us. We thank you that our God is a great God. We bless you today, Jesus, that you're the God who took on flesh and lived among us. And you dwelt, you tabernacled here, you, you walked among us, you talked, you spoke. We saw, we saw what divinity in human flesh could look like when we study your life. We know, Lord Jesus, you were crucified. It was all in the plan of God. There you secured our salvation, and then you, after three days later, you rose from the dead. We thank you today. We praise you. You are the victorious God. You're the victorious Savior. You're the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You've conquered death, rendered powerless him who had the power of death. That is the devil. We thank you, Jesus. We are following the winner, the ultimate winner. Lord, we get excited to about a sports winner or some, someone who won a great award or someone who won an election. We get excited about those who win. Jesus, you've won the greatest battle. You've won the greatest victory. You conquered death. Death gets every person. And Jesus, you've conquered it. And because you live, we shall live. Because we believe in your words, we have passed out of death into life. We've passed out of judgment into eternal life. And we give you praise and we give you thanks. Today, Father, we thank you for the privilege of having lived in this country. We thank you for the religious freedoms that we have here as Americans. We thank you, Father, for those who fought so hard to secure those rights in our revolution, those who wrote the Declaration, those who fought for from the very beginning in the War of Independence, who fought for us to be able to, to serve you freely and not be under the domain and rule of a king who was thought to be uh, the one of, the, shall we say, the God's person on earth to rule our lives. We thank you that throughout various challenges in history, in the history of our country, the people stood for freedom, and we thank you for the advance of freedoms. Thank you, Lord, today that, that there are groups of people, classes of people, races of people who have freedoms they did not enjoy many, many years ago, and they do now. We thank you for the advances that our nation has given. And we want to thank you, Lord, that this concept of freedom uh, ha that you, you brought in our nation has been a gift to much of the rest of the world. So that now the idea of religious freedom, so many nations, they at least would say they value it. And freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, these things we take for granted that, that men, much of the world doesn't have and most of history never had, that this idea spread to others. We value it. I pray, Father, we would appreciate it. We grieve and we repent, Father. We repent of how so many have used our freedom as Americans. They've used it, Lord, to sin. They think that you give us the right to do what's wrong. Lord, we let that sink in. They think that you have given us the right 
to do what is wrong. And Jesus, help us understand that freedom is the right to do to, to serve our God. That the religious freedom is that we might be allowed and free to follow and seek after God and to do good to others. We confess, Lord, that our freedoms have been turned into greed and licentiousness and immorality, impurity. We think, Lord, of when people, some people, so many in our world today, when they think of freedom, they think of the freedom of the press. The first thing that comes to their mind is pornography. Lord, we live in a world that, that is censoring the political speech it was meant to protect, to be protected, but is, gives free reign to the pornography, even child pornography, that was, that was never uh, in our founders' minds as something that, that should be. We think, Lord, of how we've called evil good and good evil. We've turned light for darkness and darkness for light. Lord, we think how often, how much in our culture now we have, we've just turned things on their head, Lord. So often a, a, a married couple that's raised their children is thought old-fashioned, boring, dull. Our media so often uh, shows something that's exciting and worth pursuing as adultery, uh, fornication, uh, evil, thievery, and things of this nature. We glorify that of which we ought to be ashamed. And Lord, we mock that of which we ought to be proud. We want to confess, Lord, of how, how wrong things have become in our culture. And we want to thank you, Lord, that you have given us freedom to speak into it. We thank you that we still, as of this day, we have the freedom to raise our voice, to share the gospel, to reprove sin, call people to righteousness. We thank you, Lord, that we have the freedom to live our faith loudly, to demonstrate uh, godly relationships, to demonstrate moral purity, to demonstrate goodness, to demonstrate and speak for the truth. We want to thank you, Lord. We see some of these freedoms being threatened. We're concerned, but Lord, I pray that in the day that we still maintain them and we still have them, we would live our faith in Jesus Christ loudly. Lord, it may mean that we, we, we rise above uh, accusation, slander, and gossip. It may mean that we love those who hate and despise us. It may mean we pray for our enemies. It may mean we share the gospel with someone who's open and receptive. It may mean we, we challenge someone who's living a life uh, contrary to you, and we challenge them about the coming judgment and your moral standards, whatever it means, Lord. I pray that today we'd be people and you'd build this into us who are unwavering in the way we stand for our God. Lord, we, we thank you've not given up on people. We believe and we've been praying for a spiritual awakening and revival. Lord, we ask we make ourselves available to use us. We do pray you to raise up many workers for the harvest. Maybe some on this very live stream will be those the answer to those prayers. We pray you'd raise up a whole mighty army, an army of people who've been set free by Jesus Christ, who have the gospel in our hearts, who have the joy of the Lord in our hearts, who have a, a song of victory on our tongues, and who proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, proclaim the salvation, proclaim liberty for captives, proclaim salvation, that we would be ones who, like John the Baptist, who raise up the every 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 valley will be raised up, every mountain brought low, the rough road smooth, 
and we will be preparing the way of the Lord. Oh, Lord, lead us to give a message of repentance and salvation to our nation, beginning right with the ones that we see and know regularly, day by day, friends, neighbors, co-workers, students, family members. We pray these things. We offer ourselves to you. We thank you again for our freedom. Help us, Lord, to be people who will use it well. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name, and we bless you now. Amen, amen, and amen. Hey, thanks for joining with me today. Again, if you're new, welcome, and do hit that subscribe, notify, so you'll know when we do anything. Uh, you'll be notified when we go on, on our live stream. Um, Monday, we're starting the book of 1 Peter. Make sure you tell people about it. I'm excited about it. I think there are many, many portions in there that will strengthen us, and, and I think it's a very timely word for where we, we are. We'll continue also to share any current events that we ought to all be aware of, and we will certainly be spending time praying the Scripture into our lives and praying for uh, our sphere of influence right up to and including our nation, okay? My website, TomThePreacher.com, if you'd like a copy of my book, Taken Into Their Turf, uh, stories, 70 stories of campus evangelism, that, uh, and there's something we can learn from each story. They're not just stories, but there's something to motivate us, to inspire us, to, uh, to edify us, to teach us about reaching out to others in a hostile col uh, culture. I've been in it for many years. What many of us are feeling now that's what I've felt for the last 40 years when I go on the college campus. And I seem to draw, I say I'm an atheist magnet, I draw the, the, the atheists, I draw the secularists, I draw the people who hate Christianity. They come out and they listen, they speak up. And so this, this cancel culture, this facing, uh, you know, they go and report me to the authorities and try and get me banned from campus. I've been facing this for many, many years, and I think uh, some of what we, I write in my book, and some of what we learn, we'll learn First Peter, and the experiences I've had will be helpful and beneficial for what many of us are feeling now, okay? Hey, you have a great Saturday. Make a good use of this day. Uh, we've only got so many days. Let's make use of each one. We've only got so much freedom. Let's use it for the glory of God. I love you guys. Thank you for joining me. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m., right here for our daily word and prayer. God bless you.